Hey, my name is Amanda. I want to thank you for joining us today. We hope that this message inspires you, builds your faith, and helps you find your next step toward Jesus. Enjoy the message. Our scripture today comes from Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. It says, Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting on the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called to the blind man, Cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. This is the word of God for the people of God today. So our family, Lynn and I were in uh, St. Louis for Thanksgiving and um, were there for several days enjoying our extended family and uh, did something on Black Friday that I have never, ever done and will never, ever do again. I went shopping. Yeah, don't take my man card from me, okay? Just hold on one second. Hold on, hold on. I had to get a pair of shoes, and, and I had a coupon that made, I, I'm cheap, and it was going to save me a whole lot of money. And so I ventured to Galleria. Oh, you know, you know what I got into. I pulled in, I saw the parking lot, and I, my anxiety level started going up, and I pulled in, and there were no places. I'm pulling up and down this aisle, that aisle, trying to find a parking space, and I'd see one, and I'd go over there, and someone would scoot in and grab it before me. And I blessed them in Jesus' name. (laughs) Blessed several people like that that day. Eventually, I found a parking spot, made my way into the madhouse that was the gallery. I got my shoes, and I was done with it. And they don't fit really well. I got to take them back. God have mercy. Anyway, when I was looking for a parking space to little avail... Um, would it have been okay for me to pray, God, help me find a good parking space? That's kind of the, yeah, it's funny, that's kind of become like the, the litmus test about prayer. Is it okay to pray for a parking space? Back in the Middle Ages, theologians debated how many angels could sit on the head of a needle. Now, you think that we say that today, it's like, oh, would you stop bringing up trivial stuff that doesn't matter? No, actually, theologians did debate this. Tom, St. Thomas Aquinas, who's considered one of the most brilliant theologians in church history, wrote extensively about that because they realized there were great metaph- metaphysical issues involved with that. So today, it's not angels on the head of a pin. It's, can you pray for parking spaces? So what do you think? Okay, got some yeses up here. I'll tell you what I think later and what I did that day. But today, we're going to continue our series on prayer. 
during this season of Advent, we're taking the four weeks to look at four elements of prayer. We're using uh, the guide that Pete Gregg, who is the founder and leader of the 24-7 prayer movement, which seeks to get Christians praying 24 hours a day, seven days a week around the globe for a, a great awakening to happen. Um, he, he wrote a simple book that I love, highly, highly recommend. It's called How to Pray. And he gives us this acronym. And if you use Lectio 365, love that app. Um, they base the daily prayers on this acronym, PRAY, P-R-A-Y. Two weeks ago, Jeffrey started us out by looking at PAUSE, P, which is all about getting still, refocusing, uh, gathering our scattered senses and putting them on God and taking a moment to sit in his presence, to be still and know that he is God. And then last week, Breck talked about R, rejoice, that we come into God's presence with rejoicing, we come into God's presence with thankfulness, and we, we praise God, we adore God as we have done in worship. That's why almost every worship service begins with time of praise because it is right to enter God's uh, presence with praise. Uh, enters courts with thanksgiving, and his, what? Enters house with thanksgiving, and his courts with praise, we're told. Uh, and then today, we're gonna look at the third of the four, which is A, ask, simply, ask. Prayer, the word, the etymology of the word literally means to, pray, to ask earnestly. So, to pray is to ask. It's at the very heart of prayer. We're encouraged to ask. Jesus, in the um, Lord's Prayer, gives us four different things that we are to ask for ourselves, four different things. So asking is important. It's central to the idea of prayer. So here, here's what I want to say. To pray is to ask. Now let's unfold that a little bit. Let's look a little deeper. What does it mean to ask? All right. Let's consider just uh, four aspects of what it is to ask. To ask, it is to ask for our daily needs. I mentioned the Lord's Prayer and that Jesus gives us four things. Well, the first thing that we're to pray, to ask for ourselves, is our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. In fact, let's, uh, let's say that together. Give us this day our daily bread. Yeah, we're told to pray for the needs of that day. And there's something important about praying for that day. Uh, in the story of the manna being distributed to the children of Israel, bread-like substance that would come every day. They were to gather it for that day and God would meet their needs that day. We worry about that day. Jesus tells us, don't worry about tomorrow, focus on this day. So give us this day our daily bread. Now, as Americans, quite frankly, we don't have to worry about if we're going to have food for lunch or dinner today. Our, our, our dilemmas are how much are we going to eat and where are we going to eat? Some of you are going to leave this service and spouses are going to get in that, going to you know, enter that conversation that becomes the, uh, the conundrum, right? Where do you want to eat? I don't know. Where do you want to eat? I don't care. Where do you want to eat? And so on it goes. Lynn and I drive around Cape Girardeau asking ourselves that question as we try to decide. You know, that's the biggest issue it comes for us when it comes to eating, right? But there are people who literally pray for food because they don't know where their next meal is coming from. That's why we packed meals at the Osage Center last week. Do you realize that some 
mothers and fathers around the world, you are their answer to their prayers? They're going to get those manna packs. And they don't know that they were packed in Cape Girardeau, but their prayer is going to get answered because of what you all did. And so um, some really do pray, give us this day our daily bread. One of the great inspiring stories of this is um, of George Mueller. George Mueller was a pastor in England uh, in the 1800s in Bristol. And uh, George Mueller felt God call him to work with orphans. And uh, he got into it big time. In fact, started 117 schools for orphans and cared for over the course of his ministry over 10,000 orphans. He, um, through the schools, raised many of them out of poverty into uh, careers and jobs that they could care for their needs. And one of the, the, the hallmarks of George Mueller's ministry, which was quite remarkable, he was a man of ex, uh, extraordinary faith, was that he would never publicize their needs, nor would he ask anybody uh, specifically for money. He simply prayed. Now, that's not for everybody, but this is how George Mueller did it. And he would pray, God, here's our need, please provide. And it's estimated that in today's dollars, that over the course of his ministry, George Mueller uh, raised some $97 million to care for the needs of orphans. And he never asked. One famous story happened on a morning when there was no food. And this particular orphanage had 300 children and there was nothing to feed them for breakfast. And so um, um, Mueller prayed. He got up in front of the kids and he explained to them, we don't have any food, but we're gonna pray. And he prays, Father, thank you for this meal that we are about to eat, we don't have now, but we thank you in advance for providing, says amen. And he barely says amen, someone's knocking on the door and it's a baker from down the street. And he said, God woke him up at two o'clock in the morning and told him to bake bread for the orphanage. And so he brings in trays of fresh, hot bread. And, and just a few minutes after he makes that delivery, there's another knock at the door, and it's the milk delivery man. Some of you guys remember when the milk would get delivered to your house, yeah? Uh, they did that in our neighborhood when I grew up, had the milkman, all right? Well, he knocks on the door and says, my, my, my uh, uh, trailer has broken down out here in front of the orphanage. Can you use any of this milk? Because I can't get this delivered to where it should go. And they brought all the milk in there, and those kids would never forget that that day when they had warm piping hot rolls and washed it down with creamy milk because they prayed and God provided for their needs. Now again, you and I probably don't have to pray, God, uh, I need food for lunch. I don't have that. If you do, you let us know. But, but still, we have needs. We have needs each day. Maybe your need today is that... Um, um, are, are on a particular age, you're going to interview for a job and you a, you're asking for God's favor. Maybe you are uh, flying. I don't know about you. When I fly, I pray when that plane takes off and I pray when that plane lands. I just, every time, it's perfectly natural for us to do this, you know? Um, maybe you um, have a, you're a student and you have a difficult exam that day and you pray, God, uh, my daily bread today is I got to pass that test. 
I always say, pray, bring to remembrance the things I've studied. If you didn't study at all and you pray, God, help me pass the test, you're praying for a miracle, okay? <laughs> but you go ahead and pray about that. I would suggest studying. Um, and whatever it may be, maybe your car has broken down. I remember once our battery was broken. We didn't have the money to, to fix it in our car. We were just newly married, and we prayed. And God later got a, a card in the mail. It was from uh, a friend of ours back in St. Louis. It was exactly the amount we needed to buy the battery. That was our daily bread. What is your daily bread? What is your need today? God wants to hear it. We're told to ask. Look at all these, these encouragements to ask. In Matthew 7, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. Uh, in James, we're told this. You do not have because you do not ask God. How many, how many gifts do we fail to receive from God simply because we don't ask so we're told over and again to ask whatever it is. And, and then when we do, and we see God provide, we later can say thanks. And you know what happens when we pray for simple things like that? Is it grows gratitude in our hearts. We see how God is so faithful. That day in the orphanage, you know those children were living on cloud nine and praising God for how he provided for them. And you'll do the same as you learn to pray and as you ask for those daily needs. So to pray is to ask. It is to ask for daily needs. It's to ask in Jesus' name. If you are new to uh, uh, the, the Christian faith, new to attending church, you may have heard a lot of people pray, and they usually end their prayers by saying, in Jesus' name, amen. And uh, I think a lot of folks learn to do this because they've heard other people do it, but they really don't know what that means. It's like, well, maybe it's just sort of a formal way of ending this prayer, you know, uh, a nice way of ending the prayer. Um, and, and there's different, you know, you know, it's not some sort of incantation, some sort of if we just say this, it makes it all kind of like perfect. No, people in the first century would have understood this. To do something in somebody's name, to speak in somebody's name is to speak with their authority. To, to ask in somebody's name is to ask with their authority and also consistent with their character. For instance, you, if you were an employee in, in the first century, you would not go and ask something from a neighbor for your boss that was inconsistent with his business. So it's consistent with the character of who we pray in. So when we pray in Jesus' name, what we're doing is we're our prayers need to align with the character of Christ and who he is. Uh, Jesus said it this way. He invites us to pray in John chapter 16. He says, uh, until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. See there again, we're encouraged. Ask, ask in his name. Now, James even clarifies the picture a little more for us when it comes to asking. He says, we'll go back to that verse in James where he says, you do not have because you do not ask God. Then he says, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. And so God is not going to give us everything that we ask for if what we're asking for doesn't align with the character of God. You can pray all day long that God will give you a comfortable, easy life. That's not God's character or will for you. 
Jesus says, you're to pick up your cross and follow him. A better prayer is to pray for strength to face a difficult life and difficult circumstances. Um, To pray for courage. To pray in Jesus' name is to pray consistently with his character. And so to pray for indulging things or comfort for, for luxury is really not praying in Jesus' name and consistent with his character. And so God will simply not answer those prayers. Paul, James says, you, you don't have because you, you ask with wrong motives. Our motives matter. And they need to be pure based upon Christ. But then if that's it, we pray. Um, and there are a lot of things that are consistent with the character of God. We'll go back to the, the Lord's Prayer. Give us his daily, daily bread. He then goes on and says, and then pray, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Let's say that together, ready? Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. See, Jesus was a man of forgiveness. And so to pray, not only for forgiveness, Jesus didn't have to pray for forgiveness because he never sinned, but he forgave. He says, we, we ask for God's forgiveness as we forgive others. Jesus forgave when he was betrayed tortured, nailed to a cross, from the cross, he prays, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Now, if you're angry and you want to pray vengeance on your enemies, you go ahead and do that and vent the anger, but God's not going to answer that prayer because it's not consistent with the character of Jesus. What you do pray and what God will answer is if you forgive. That's consistent, you see, with his character. So to pray is to ask. It's to ask for our daily needs. It's to ask in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, it's it's to ask and exert influence. Now, when it comes to prayer, one of the, when I've been in groups that have been discussing it or people have spoken with me about prayer, they ask a question. One of the things that comes up is, do I really need to pray this because God already knows? Or maybe it's about God's will. God's gonna do what he wants to do anyway, so so why, should I, why do I need to pray for that? Because it's, it's going to be done. Well, let me say, first off, God's will is not always done. Every time someone sins, every time something tragic happens, every time a child is abused, a lie is told, a wrong is committed, an injustice happens, that's not God's will. That's why in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus said, pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, because it's not always being done. Now, we know ultimately that at the end of the story, God, the author of the story, is going to bring it to a a, a wonderful conclusion because God is sovereign. But we're also free, and there's a tension there. When we say God is sovereign, we talk about the sovereignty of God, What we mean is that he has the final say. He makes the final call. Like a king in his kingdom is sovereign. His word is the last word, the ultimate word, the final word. Well, in the kingdom of God, God is sovereign. He gets the final say. So you say, okay, well, then why pray? Because you are also free and you have choices to make. And... um, God, who's sovereign, has decided to work into the very fabric of the universe the equation of prayer. And so God, somehow in his great power, 
and wisdom and, and uh, supreme intelligence has figured out that his will will get done, but yet somehow because we pray for it. And God moves in response to prayer. Do you know we can change the very course of history through prayer? You can change the course of your life through prayer. Prayer is that powerful. It exerts influence. I don't know how it all works. But somehow or another, it exerts influence. We can change things through prayer. Do you know, there Abraham and Moses, there's stories of them where they change God's mind because of prayer. God was going to do one thing. He changes his mind and does another thing because they prayed for it. Richard Foster wrote in his classic book, um, Celebration of Discipline, which, which um, I read when I was a teenager. It's always stuck with me. He says, we are not locked into a preset deterministic universe. God has decreed that your prayers make a difference. We, we are co-creators with God. Now, God gets the ultimate say. He is in control. We, we can exert influence, but God is the only one in control. But our prayers exert influence. For instance, let's say you have a friend or family member who doesn't know Jesus. Now, your praying for them cannot overrule their freedom. I, praying for you, cannot you know, force you to do something you don't want to do. But I can pray, and somehow, I don't know how it all works, through God's Holy Spirit, that prayer exerts influence over the person that's being prayed for. Sometimes I pray that the veil over their eyes that blinds them to the things of God will be removed. Sometimes I pray that their heart will be softened to the things of God. And, and, and those prayers have influence. A, a beautiful example of this is the prayer life of D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody was a great American evangelist. Uh, he was uh, kind of America's pastor, sort of like Billy Graham was for several uh, decades here uh, more recently. D.L. Moody was, was uh, a fire, fire uh, brand in terms of evangelism, personally and uh, in preaching. Well, he kept a list. He had a list with him on a piece of paper of 100 names, people that he knew, friends, family members, neighbors, who didn't know Jesus. He'd go through that list every day, and he would pray that they would come to know Jesus. And so when one of his friends or family members would come to faith, he'd scratch that name off and he'd keep praying. He'd, he'd list them all by name every day. And here's the remarkable uh, testimony of that prayer. Uh, when D.L. Moody died, 96 of the 100 had come to faith in Jesus. But here's the, even the more amazing part. At his funeral, the four holdouts gave their lives to Christ. 100 people he prayed for. 100 people came to Jesus. I don't know how all that works. I just know that when we pray, it exerts influence and things happen in the spiritual realm. And so we pray, believing. Heard a, I, I love um, Australian pastor by the name of Mark Sayers and uh, listened to every podcast he produce, produces. And in his most recent podcast, he was talking about a prayer meeting he was at in Belfast, Northern Ireland long way from Australia, but it was a 24-7 prayer event like uh, Pete Gregg is the founder of the 24-7 prayer movement. So he's praying there, and there's several hundred people praying. And it was, um, it was last late summer or early fall. And it was right about the time, do you remember in the news, when there was a lot of anxiety, a lot of uh, concern that, that Russia was threatening to use nuclear weapons in their war with Ukraine? Remember that? 
Well, that's interesting to us and concerning. If you're in Europe, it's a whole lot closer. And so they're in this meeting, and it's right at the height of that. It's right at the height. And um, uh, Mark Sayers felt led in the meeting to say, we need to pray. We need to pray against this. We need to pray that no nuclear weapons are used. And he said the next hour, there was just electricity that went through that room. People fell on their faces. People were crying out to God to have mercy, to keep this madness from happening. Well, there was never a nuclear bomb that detonated. Now, I can't prove cause and effect. I can't prove that. I just know that when we pray, coincidences happen. You say, oh, that's just coincidence. It seems that when we pray less, less coincidences happen. Could it be that a nuclear weapon was not used in that war because several hundred people were on their face for an hour praying and pleading with God to stop it? Could be. Could be. So we pray and we exert influence. And then finally, to pray is to ask, and it's to ask in relationship. In relationship. Um, in the story that we read earlier, um, it's uh, about a blind man, um, Bartimaeus is his name, and uh, he is alongside the road begging, because in that day, that's how a person with that kind of disability uh, met their needs. They had to beg. So he's begging, and here's a commotion. A lot of people walking by, finds out that one of the people in the crowd is Jesus, and he's heard the stories of Jesus healing, and so he car- starts crying out for Jesus. And he starts kind of you know, yelling kind of loudly to get Jesus' attention. And his friends and family do, members do what all of us do when one of our friends or family members start getting loud. They were hushing him up. Please, you know, you ever have that family member just talked a little too loud? Like, shh, would you, you know, just hold it down a little bit? And what did Bartimaeus do? He just talked, he just cried out that louder. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And he was crying out. And he, he, look, at the, look at the story again. And it says, Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. You think he was ready for that? He's pretty excited, isn't he? Jumps to his feet. And Jesus, here's this guy. The blind man comes up to him, stands in front of him, and says, "Uh, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. Isn't that kind of self-evident? Is that sort of a rude request, an impolite request on Jesus' part? Mark says, the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see Why does he ask him that when it was so obvious? Because he wasn't just interested in dispensing a miracle, in dispensing some sort of spiritual service for him. He wanted to know Bartimaeus. He wanted to have a relationship with him. And so he says, what do you want? He says, I want to see. And he says, your faith has healed you. Immediately he began to see. And it says, and he, and he followed him along the road. This began a relationship, and there were the 12 disciples, and then there was another group around them of, of disciples, and Bartimaeus was in that group. And he started following, become part of the entourage of Jesus because that day Jesus stopped. And he would do this often in his miracles. He'd want to talk with the person that was in front of him. There's a story of a woman who was bleeding for 12 years and had never gotten better. And that was anyone Jewish in the first century would have understood what that meant for her. It meant that she couldn't go to synagogue. It meant that she could do none of the uh, uh, religious observations because she was considered unclean. She probably was 
kept at arm's length by her family because she was unclean. She could have been ostracized. So for 12 years, she lives with not only the physical ailment, but the loneliness. So one day, again, Jesus is walking, lots of people around him, and she gets the courage to get down. She's got to be down on all fours, and she, she grabs the end of his cloak, and Jesus stops right in his tracks and says, somebody touch me. There are hundreds of people pushing on him, and disciples say, there's a lot of people touching you, Jesus. He said, no, 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 power went from me. And so he started looking around. What happened? And the woman, realizing that she has been called out, comes, it says, trembling and falls before him and tells the whole story in front of everybody there who knew of her plight. And at the moment she touched his robe, she was instantaneously healed. Why did Jesus call her out? Why didn't Jesus just kind of let her go off, kind of, you know, without any, you know, publicity, without having to speak in front of them? because he wanted to speak healing words to her. You know what he said to her? Daughter, your faith has made you well. Daughter, this woman who had been ostracized and isolated because of her bleeding now is accepted by nonetheless than Jesus. He wanted more than just to dispense a miracle. He wanted a relationship with her. To pray is to ask. So let me ask you, is it okay to pray for parking spaces? I don't know and I don't care. <laughs> it's okay to pray at all times for all things and all circumstances. What did I do that awful Black Friday? As I'm driving up and down. I didn't pray. Now, If I'd have prayed, maybe I would have got a better spot sooner. I don't know. But you know what I would have done? I would have connected with my heavenly father that day on that parking lot. And maybe the insanity of that moment would have been redeemed a little bit because I was walking in the spirit. Pray at all times, in all places, for all things. Yeah, so go ahead. Pray for parking spaces. Pray for your daily needs. Pray for every little thing and it'll create in you not only a gratitude, it'll deepen your relationship with the creator of the universe. You'll know what it is to be a friend of Jesus. You'll know what it is to connect with him. Well, today in our service, we are going to ask specifically for healing. And we wanna have healing prayer for anybody here who needs healing physically or emotionally or spiritually, relationally, whatever the need might be, we want to pray for you because we're instructed in Scripture to do that. In, in, uh, in James, um, we're instructed to pray for healing. In James chapter 5, he writes, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they've sinned, they will be forgiven. You see, we're told to ask. Now, in the great mystery of all of this, I don't always, I don't understand why healing comes and other times it doesn't. But here's the deal. 
I don't want anyone sick because we didn't pray. So come and be prayed for. When we invite you to communion, to the Lord's table, you can go to one of the stations and someone will anoint you with oil and pray for whatever it is that you need today. Ask, ask. This is what Jesus instructs us to do. Let's pray. So Lord, we thank you that we are invited to ask for daily needs, for things like healing. Thank you that nothing is too trivial, nothing is too small. We're not bothering the creator of the universe because you can handle all of this. You love us. Like a loving parent wants to hear the voice of their child, you wanna hear our voice. So thank you that you meet us here. May you be honored as we come to this, your table. And I pray that, I pray that miracles happen today. I, I pray that extraordinary things happen because people uh, are, are prayed for in healing. I pray that you'll be glorified and that we'll get to know you better in the process. For we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. If you enjoyed today's message, make sure to subscribe to this channel. Feel free to share this with others that God has put on your heart. To learn more about LaCroix Church or to find your next steps, head to lacroixchurch.org. Thanks again for checking us out, and we hope to see you soon.